Welcome to the Jet Setting Family Travel Podcast. My name's Rod. And I'm Jess. And for those of you that are listening for the first time, welcome. We, along with our six-year-old son, Santi, and three-year-old daughter, Nora, sold all of our stuff. And just recently, we are celebrating one year of full-time family travel. It is crazy to think a year has gone by and we have been on the road experiencing so many amazing new places, a lot that we've covered throughout our podcast since we started this from the very beginning. It's been 20 countries, over 90-some cities, 38 flights, countless taxis, cabs, boats, tuk-tuks, trains, all kinds of transportation, but we have had some phenomenal experiences, many of which we have talked about on this podcast. But today we wanted to talk about a very special trip that we took. First off, I wanted to say if you're new here, we typically post once a week. And lately, it has been a little bit hit or miss due to the remote locations that we have been um, throughout South America. We don't always have the strongest Wi-Fi, but we've had so much fun exploring some untouched places or maybe not untouched, but more remote, Mm -hmm. um, like this week's Patagonia. Patagonia. One of the first things that we think about, at least before we started this trip and going into Patagonia, was it was this mystical land kind of in South America at the very tip, really remote and hard to get to, but that it had this magical quality that you couldn't really describe until you went there. That's what Rod was thinking. I was thinking of Patagonia jackets. <laughs> they named a whole brand after these, this location. It must be pretty epic. Yeah. And we wanted to give you in this episode kind of a play by play of how to get there, what to do and how you do it with kids. Because we took, you know, our six year old and our three year old there and we did some hiking and we did a lot of outdoors activities that we found was very worthwhile for the whole family. So spoiler alert. We loved Patagonia. We want to go back and we highly recommend it for families that are thinking about traveling anywhere. I mean, you can definitely plan a 10 day to two week itinerary throughout Patagonia that can take you through all of the most popular places there. Something to note about Patagonia before we get started is... First off, when we went, a lot of people were like, we don't see kids that often here, which we were surprised by because it's a really great place for your kids to run around, which we'll talk about, um, and some beautiful parks as well. But it does take, if you want to see a lot of Patagonia, a lot of driving. So Mm -hmm. if that's not your jam, maybe pick one of the locations we recommend and that be it. But if you want to see the full spectrum, like you got to be prepared to drive. (laughs) And speaking of transportation, so the way that you get to Patagonia is... There's really two entry points. So Patagonia is a region that spans through both Chile and Argentina. And the way that we did it is we flew in from Buenos Aires. It's about a three to three and a half hour flight to a city called El Calafate. And that's on the Argentinian side. And that's one of the kind of big airport hubs into the Patagonia region. Uh, The other one is in Punta Arenas in Chile. And you can fly into there from Santiago. So you can do this kind of route where you will start in either Punta Arenas or El Calafate. And you'll kind of end up on the other city to fly back to wherever you are that you need to go to. 
So we, like Rod said, started out in El Calafate, and I really love this town. It was um, really charming. I think one of the nice parts about Patagonia is while we did plan it, we didn't really look up much beforehand as far as the towns went. We knew what mountains and hikes we wanted to do, but we didn't know about the towns. Mm -hmm. So we were pleasantly surprised. It kind of reminded us of like a Colorado Breckenridge Aspen-y area, smaller, Mm -hmm. a lot smaller, but still like beautiful Tons of playgrounds for the kids, um, some beautiful lookout points. You could buy, you know, a lot of – we went during winter time, actually, like during off-season. It was them. in the fall, yeah. So we went in May, which in the Southern Hemisphere is kind of transitioning end of summer going into fall, close to winter. So temperature-wise, it was, you know, pretty cold. It got – Close to freezing temperatures, um, there was some snow right before we arrived, but we didn't see um, any snow while we were there. But we saw a lot of beautiful fall colors. Mm-hmm. But El Calafate is a good jump off point if you need to like restock on some clothes. Um, it will be pricier there just because it is more of a, I don't know, mountain resort to town, I guess yeah. you could say. <laughs> but um, some restaurants, some shops, some playgrounds, um, and it's the most impressive part of El Calafate is heading out to the glacier. That is the Perito Moreno Glacier. It is about an hour to an hour and a half, and it's in the Glaciers National Park of Argentina. And that's really what El Calafate is known for, is for kind of setting up a base camp so that it can support all of the tourism that goes to that glacier. And it is breathtaking. I mean, you drive there, and the cool thing about... Um, The way they have the national park set up is whether you need some accessibility, whether you're disabled, they have it really well structured where you park at this parking lot, you look out and it's just the moment you see it, it's breathtaking. And then they have some really nice walking trails that are really great for children, um, really great. Even if you are need some like handicap accessibility, you could easily Mm -hmm. do the Perrito Moreno's Glacier. It was just a really easy day. And the drive to get there through the national park itself was gorgeous, especially when we went during fall. It was just beautiful lakes and lookout points and just fall foliage everywhere. And it was just a perfect day. It was really easy with the kids and perfect. And there's even like a really good restaurant right there at the parking mm-hmm. lot um, that you can get some snacks and get some rum. Rod had a beer and the kids had hot <laughs> chocolate. And it was just really pleasant. Just to give you kind of like a visual description of the Perito Moreno Glacier is you walk down these kind of planks and you see this gigantic wall of ice. So if anybody watches Game of Thrones and you think about like the north and the wall, that's probably the closest equivalent to the wall in the north that we have on Earth. And one of the coolest parts, too, is so this was up for debate from the people we spoke to. I don't want to give out false information, but the people we spoke to at Perito Moreno Glacier said that like as you're standing there, the coolest part is you hear these cracks and you can see parts of the glacier falling off. And my first assumption, well, it's global warming and it's melting and it's falling off into this mm-hmm. lake. But in reality, it says that it's actually one of the only growing glaciers in the world currently. And that falling off is because the back of the glacier is actually growing and pushing this glacier forward, causing so much pressure that part of the front where you're standing is breaking off. And it was just amazing to just sit there and listen to this cracking noise. Yeah, there was these thunderous booms that would happen no matter where you were in kind of the walking area. You will hear it. And then all you can do is just look in that direction and try to see (laughs) if you can catch 
it actually falling. But a lot of times you would hear it and it would be falling anywhere from the sides, anywhere kind of in the middle of the glacier. But it was loud and impressive. And for me, if we hadn't brought the kids and the kids like didn't really care that much about the cracking and the cleaving, <laughs> but I wanted to stay there and I wanted to just like sit there and watch and see if I could catch one yeah. of the big like chunks of ice falling. I would say even with kids, we really enjoyed our time and we stayed several hours. Um, but Rod and I would have definitely spent more time there had we not taken the kids. Mm -hmm. And if you drive down, so I don't forget, like to the... Like the lakeside. Yeah. If you drive down to the lakeside, you can actually hop on a boat and get closer um, at a lower level. So you can really see the impact of the height of this ice wall, essentially, mm -hmm. um, on the boat. I think for me, the boat was a fun experience. It wasn't a must. I think definitely going and walking it is an absolute must. Uh, yeah. The boat was, I mean, it was enjoyable, but it wasn't. Yeah, it added a different perspective to the experience, but it wasn't absolutely required. Yeah. If you're on a budget, it's not like the one thing I'd say you have to do. <laughs> yeah. So with that, um, El Calafate, you could probably spend two to three nights there. The next Destination that we went to was about a two-hour drive north from El Calafate, still in Argentina, to a little town called El Chalten. El Chalten is a lot smaller than El Calafate. Way smaller. Way smaller, especially if you go during off-season, like half the town just shuts down. Like we, I think when we were there, there was two restaurants open. Mm -hmm. uh, very, very, very small. And this is a place that if you love hiking, you don't want to miss. There's beautiful hiking trails throughout um, all of El Chalten. And the most famous hiking trail that you are going to is the... It's the Laguna Torre Trail. Um, we It's about a nine kilometer, so about four miles of or five miles of trail to get to the actual lake that has some really beautiful glaciers there. Um, we didn't go that far with the kids, but we, we went about two three miles. kilometers. Yeah, about two, one and a half to two miles into it. And we went to a, to this little part where it's called a Mirador. It's, it's really a sightseeing area, a, a really nice view, a lookout of the um, Fitzroy Mountain. So Fitzroy Mountain is kind of the big towering mountain that's really scenic there in El Chalten. Um, and then Laguna Torre is kind of like the really beautiful lake that is close to that mountain. There are tons and tons and tons of hiking trails from El Chalten. Uh, my recommendation for Patagonia, if hiking is not for your family, totally skip El Chalten. Sorry, El Chalten. I'm not trying to like mm -hmm. make you not important. It's just the town there isn't. Yeah, it's in, it's entirely stood up to support the hikers yeah. because there's not really that much else to do. We did a one hour drive to a um, another lake. It was called Laguna del Desierto. And... Uh, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that just because it took so long and the views an once road. you get there. Yeah, they weren't that impressive. Um, so we we thought that we were going to see, you know, something breathtaking. Uh, I think Fitzroy Mountains and the views that you get just from being in El Chalten are more than enough. But really, just as Jess said, if you're not there for the hiking, then definitely don't go to El Chalten. I think if you like, if you don't mind driving either, just driving into El Chalten and, and like grabbing lunch and maybe just seeing the town and then going back to El Calafate would be worth it. Mm -hmm. But um, I wouldn't stay several days there if you don't plan on hiking. For us, we did enjoy it. We did hike with the kids. Yeah. Um, and we also rented a car, which, you know, gave us a lot of flexibility to be able to choose where we wanted to go and when we wanted to. We 
rented the car. I think it was for about four to five days. Okay, wait. But first, let me back up and talk about this car rental. Mm -hmm. So in El Calafate, we had this reservation to rent a car with Hertz, was it? Budget. Budget. It was a big, it was like a big U.S. name brand, Mm -hmm. reputable place. Well, we, one, couldn't find it when we got there. And that was our fault. I will say definitely our fault. But then the next day was like a weekday. So we try to go back. It's not open. We probably went to nine car rentals. And these are like (laughs) Avis, Hertz, Budgets, all of these in El Calafate. And none of them were open. So we missed out on almost a day and a half of trying to find a car. So my recommendation is if you're going to rent a car in El Calafate, get it at the airport. It was more expensive at the airport, which is why we did not do that. Mm -hmm. But I guess at the end of the day, like with the amount of time we lost and then paying for the cab to get from the airport to El Calafate, going back, rent your car from the airport. Yeah. And also just understand that the majority, probably 90% of all the cars that you will find in El Calafate and El Chalten are all manual transmission. Which means I have to drive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I totally suck. I never learned to drive manual. You learned there. I learned a little bit. Yeah. But still just... I didn't learn enough to get the hang of being able to drive in the city. So Jess was the champion. She drove us around. Um, There are other transportation options to get to Perito Moreno or to El Chalten. There are lots of buses that will take you to either of those locations. And there's also tour companies that will arrange kind of guided tours to each of those areas as well. Another thing we didn't mention, just we don't forget, um, If you do not have kids, definitely consider hiking the Perito Moreno Glacier. We could not do that because I believe you have to be 12. 12 years old. To do that. But the pictures and the stories we heard from that experience were amazing. So that's something when the kids are older, we'd love to go back and do. Mm -hmm. So from El Chalten, we returned to El Calafate to return our car, and then we hopped on a bus that took us across the border from Argentina to Chile into... Puerto Natales. So Puerto Natales is kind of the equivalent of El Calafate in Chile, which... Puerto Natales is really like a port town on the western, you know, coast of Chile. It's about a one and a half hour to two hour drive from Torres del Paine National Park. And I would say, in my personal opinion, that Torres del Paine is the highlight of Patagonia. That is the one location that you do not want to miss, regardless of whether you want to hike it or not, just to see it and to be close to the national park and to be close to those Torres del Paine mountains is one of the greatest views that I have ever seen in my life. It is breathtaking. It's definitely the highlight. I would say there and then the glacier. Mm-hmm. Um, but Torres del Paine, due to its beauty and the astounding breathtaking views that you get there is way more expensive than I would say the Argentina side. Yep. Um, the bus to get from Chile to Arge- or from Argentina to Chile was actually really easy. It was super, super comfortable. They crossed mm-hmm. the border. You do border control and was relatively inexpensive. Yeah. Um, it became pricey when you get to Puerto Natales to rent a car at that point becomes about $100 a day. And then a lot of the resorts within Torres del Paine are going to be about $1,000 a night unless you stay at a budget place, which is what we did. We spent more than we normally spend, but it was $200 a night. And it was this hotel on this walking bridge on an island right in front of the Torres. And every hotel 
close to it was the thousand a night. And so the $200 a night we found was a really good deal. Mm -hmm. And so it was beautiful and it was well worth it just because I don't know if we'll ever make it back. We hope to. So just being able to wake up and see sunrise and see the clouds change the mountains and easily be able to drive around the park was just so worth it. So I think if you're going to make the trek all the way there, check out the place. It's called Hosteria. Pejo, P-E-H-O-E. Check it out. It is breathtaking. And hopefully you can stay there because I thought it was really worth it. The other option is you can drive in from Puerto Natales to Torres del Pine daily. I think the only problem with that is that I will say the weather in Torres del Pine is very hit or miss. It's very up and down. It changes by the minute, by the hour. And so just being able to sleep there for two nights um, meant that we could kind of sit and have a beer and look out and enjoy the views, wait for it to clear up and then go enjoy a couple hours. So just to give you an example, the first day that we drove in, it was cloudy and it was very hard to see the actual mountains once we got to um, the hotel. The next day, it was clear, beautiful, bright, and sunny. However, it was really, really windy. And still being kind of the fall time, um, it was a little bit cold with the wind. And then the next day, we were back to kind of cloudy um, views where the mountains weren't as visible. So, you know, you'll have to look into weather and hopefully that won't impact your experience as much. But even with the weather, even with some clouds kind of hiding it a little bit, it was still really impressive. The lakes right there surrounding the Torres del Pine were some of the clearest, most blue kind of teal water that we've seen and there's a lot of wildlife there as well there are the um, wemul which is a really endangered kind of deer you see foxes um, if you're really lucky you can see pumas which we didn't get to this no, time we did not see that. Um, then you can see all kinds of bird species lot of different wildlife that is you know unique to the world and very special to that patagonia region so right next to the Torres del Pine, and it's about a four-minute drive from Hosteria Pejo, because Hosteria Pejo is actually the closest to Torres del Pine. Mm-hmm. Like a four-minute drive backtrack, you will get the most gorgeous views of the Torres, and that is from the Explora Hotel's boardwalk. Um, you can stay at the Explora Hotel for $1,000 a night, but we opted not to, and we just went and enjoyed their boardwalk. And it's weird because it's a little bit further back from the Torres. But the views from there were the most incredible I've ever seen. It was just breathtaking. So definitely stop by there and try to go up their little boardwalk and take some pictures because it is gorgeous. Yeah, absolutely. The highlight of our Patagonia trip. So after those two nights in Torres del Pine, we went back to Puerto Natales, returned our car. And on the same day, we took a bus from Puerto Natales. It was about a three-hour drive south to Punta Arenas, which is one of the kind of southernmost cities in Chile. But it's also the city that had the airport that we were going to fly out of to get to Santiago, Chile to continue our adventures. And Punta Arenas, we got lucky because there, um, that weekend, we only stayed two nights there. 
We got to see some really cool cultural and citywide activities where they opened up kind of the city hall. They opened up the fire station. We got to, you know, the kids got to hop into a fire truck and get to experience all kinds of Southern Chilean culture. And it was cool to to finish off our trip with that cultural immersion because most of the Patagonia experience really is kind of outdoorsy and understanding, you know, the wildlife and the hiking and finishing off our trip in Punta Arenas with those experiences kind of capped off our trip as, you know, a really memorable one. And before we close off, I want to give just a couple tips on how we hike with our kids because sometimes mm-hmm. that can be tricky. So we play a lot of games while we hike. So it's either I Spy is a big one for us. Another one is where we play this game where Santi will say a word and then you have to say a word related to that word. Yep. So I don't know if I say cat, Rod would say whiskers and then i might say mouse and then we kind of just keep going yeah, and it keeps cheese, the kids entertained you know it, it helps them be creative with wordplay and it makes the time pass by another thing that we did is i loaded up my phone with a spotify offline playlist because you won't get a lot of service while you're in patagonia so we were able to play some music since when we went it was the off season so there weren't a lot of hikers around we were able to turn up our phone music and have the kids play their favorite songs while they were hiking and they were able to kind of dance and sing along while we went. And I think overall they really enjoyed it, Um, especially the El Calafate area with the playgrounds and things. They really, really enjoyed it and we just made the most of it. And it was really fun to see people excited to see them there, especially when we got to the Hosteria Pejo in Torres del Pine. Mm -hmm. They were like, oh, it's always a joy to see kids because they don't come often enough. So we hope to help change that and have a lot more kids out there visiting. (laughs) Yeah. So to give you a final recap of the times that we spent in each of these locations. So we flew in from Buenos Aires to El Calafate. We stayed in El Calafate for three nights, got to see uh, the Perito Moreno Glacier during that time. Then from there, we rented a car, went and drove up to El Chalten, where we spent another three nights. After that, we came back down to El Calafate, returned the rental car, spent one more night there. The next day, we took a bus over to Puerto Natales, where we stayed for two nights. And then we rented a car there, drove that up to Torres del Pine National Park, where we stayed at the Hosteria Pejo for two nights. From there, we drove back down (laughs) to Puerto Natales. We returned our rental car. And on that same day, we took a bus to Punta Arenas, Chile, where we spent two more nights. And then we finished our trip there. So it sounds more exhausting than it actually felt. Um, Yeah, In total, it was 13 nights, I think, that we spent Absolutely, absolutely worth it. Yes, definitely. you will be tired at the end of it, but you will be so fulfilled by what you see and what you experience of Patagonia. And to go back through the rankings, if you had to not miss anything, Torres del Pine. Mm-hmm. Next, I'd say the Perito, Perito Moreno, Moreno Glacier, Glacier is would be next on my list. And then El Chalten. Yep. So, but if you're going to make it all the way there, do not miss Torres del Pine because it was truly amazing. Yeah. And we already want to go back because those views are something that we'll remember for the rest of our lives. And if you want to see what some of those views are like, you can always check out our Instagram page at the Jets Henning family. And next week, we're excited to tell you that from there, we continued our time in Chile and went up north towards Santiago, um, where we were pleasantly surprised by the suburbs of Santiago and all of the beauty and unique things that it held. And it was just a place I never really heard much about and absolutely loved. So can't wait to share that with you. 
Yeah. So thank you for listening. As always, if you are interested in getting notified for whenever we have a new episode, make sure that you subscribe. Leave us a review if you're enjoying our show. And tag us on Instagram stories of where you're listening from because we don't get to see you guys. Um, So it's just nice to know where are you? Who are you? And yeah. Yeah, we get a couple of emails every now and then of people that say, hey, I listen to your podcast and, you know, you have any questions, we love to be able to respond to your emails. Um, sometimes it takes us a few days, maybe a week or two since we're in remote locations a lot of the time. But if you want to get a hold of us, you can either DM us on Instagram or email us at hello at thejetsettingfamily.com. So with that said, thank you once again. And until next time, happy, happy jet, jet setting. setting. The Podglomerate, a sonic universe. Ever wonder if they were listening to you? So did Al Franken. Yep, that Al Franken. He was just on our podcast impersonating his former Senate colleagues in the name of privacy. What the Hack with Adam Levin will make you feel more chill about the unchill things that happen online and off with easy-to-understand tips to make your life a little less hackable. Join us as we look at the ways people get scammed and hacked. What the Hack with Adam Levin is a weekly cyber true crime show that unravels a fresh new hell every Monday. What the Hack with me, Adam Levin. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Jennifer Lincoln, board certified OBGYN, and you may know me from social media where I spend a lot of my time educating about everything reproductive health. This podcast is called Let's Talk About Down There, and that's what I'm doing. I am talking about down there with no shame, no stigma, a lot of fun, and a lot of education. And why? Because when we talk about these things, we educate and we empower ourselves. Call in, leave a question, and know that it's okay to have questions about your body, and we're going to answer them. 